Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of What's Going Down here on Inside the Ropes. My name is Kenny McIntosh, joined as always by Mr. Finley Martin and Finn. Soon we will be in the same vicinity of each other as we're both in Cardiff, Wales for Clash at the Castle this weekend. Are you packed? Have you you got all your stuff ready? No, 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 I'm just, (laughs) my mind at the moment is on obviously this recording. Of course. I'm uh, working on Q&A right now for the next issue of the magazine. Uh, filed my latest What Else is Going Down last week. Up on Patreon right now if you want to check it out. Yeah, so uh, my column there with all original stuff, nothing nothing in there that was in the magazine. It's all new stuff. So, no, I'm just you know busy uh, grafting away on my magazine-related tasks before, uh, yes, I... Uh, Catch the train down to Cardiff on, I think I'm going down on Friday. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be, it's going to be, um, you know, it's, you know, because obviously it was SummerSlam 92, 30 years yesterday, wasn't it? August 29th. Yes. So it's, um, yeah, I've been having a lot of flashbacks to sort of what happened and the whole sort of process of getting down there and getting back and how all that was. Mostly because I'm trying to work out how I'm going to write the start of the Clash at the Castle piece. <laughs> See if I can tie something in with SummerSlam Night 2, which would, it would be convenient, wouldn't it? It would be, I mean, I think people apropos. would expect that. Apropos, people would expect that from me. Some sort of comparisons there between 
SummerSlam 92, which I attended, and Clash at the Castle, which I'm also attended. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. You're looking forward to it, Kenny. You're going down on Thursday, right? Yes, go down on Thursday. It'd be lovely to hang out with people, uh, see your good self. You know, it'd just be good to see everybody. I think there's, there's just a kind of a, you know, loads of people are going, loads of people are just kind of, it's very rare that most people that we know in wrestling or whatever are going to want the same thing, you know, because not everybody goes to WrestleMania or not everybody goes to a Raw or SmackDown taping or whatever. So, um, and it's funny because there's this thing about SummerSlam 92 and you're right. I mean, it, you know, it would be, it'd be probably quite strange if you didn't mention it in your class review, given the history and all that jazz. But, you know, SummerSlam 92 is kind of held up as this, beacon of a show and all that kind of stuff and obviously there's there's the main event there's Savage Warrior but I mean the undercard was pretty dire in some yeah, ways you know the, the the natural disasters and the Beverly Brothers for the tag team titles and all that so yeah I, th- I think that the I, th- I think that the the thing about this show that feels good is that uh you know the main event feels very big which is good and I think a couple of the undercard matches are going to really deliver. And if, as long as that happens, I think people will be happy. So, um, you know, would it have been nice if they had, you know, Brock on the show or Ronda on the show or whatever? Yeah, but I don't think it's a deal breaker. And I think if this one goes well, I don't think we'll be waiting another 30 years for them to do it again. Well, I hope not, because I'll be, assuming I'm still around, I'll be 82 then. So there's a pretty good chance that I won't be there. <laughs> well, you know, you never know, though, Finn. By by that point, the the, the stuff they'll be able to do with medicine, maybe they'll well, be able to well, possibly, yeah, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, well, listen, we're we're looking ahead to Clash at the Castle. Um, so let's go through some of the stuff that happened on SmackDown last week and Raw this week. SmackDown had some fun stuff on the show. Obviously, uh, we saw. Sonia Deville and Natalia beat Nikki, ASH, and Dewdrop. Um, and then we also saw um, in the second hour, Raquel Rodriguez and Aaliyah beat Sonia and Natalia to get into the semi final, to get into the finals, um, yeah. which which were held on Raw. So, you know, we had Zo- um, there's so many teams. It was Zoe and who, who the ones that got taken out of it? Diana, Diana Brooke and Tamina, Nikki Ash, uh, Nikki ASH and Dewdrop, Zaylee and Shotzi, and then Natalia and Sonia Deville. So it was a fatal fall away, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, no. It's, I mean, it was because it was Toxic Attraction who were taken out, right? Because they were supposed right, to yeah, be in that's... the finals. They then, one of them was injured. So then we got the four way. Um, and you know, in the end, as they, uh, Raquel and Aaliyah got the got the spot, so they are in. So I mean, it, it made sense that you know they they were they were playing up the importance of it. They tried to do a, a second chance match. It was pretty logical, but I thought. Well, it was, but I mean, the matches didn't really deliver, did they? I mean, they were. <laughs> I mean. Flat, they, they, they would deliver in the way that a cold pizza would arrive after 95 minutes. <laughs> yeah, that I was mean, the kind of delivery we got. Exactly. It's like you know, you it's like you you your delivery driver's broken down, you know, and it's taken like three hours for him to arrive. And it's like you I'm not paying for that, mate, you know. And that's what I felt like here. I mean, I've written here a totally blah match in the four-way. I mean, it was really I mean, I mean, it wasn't a it wasn't a calamity or anything, but it was just impossibly uninteresting. And then Raquel Rodriguez and Leah versus Natalia and Sonia Deville semi-finals. I mean, 
Rodriguez pinned Deville. I mean, I'm a fan of Raquel. I don't think much to Aaliyah. Natalia's someone who, you know, maybe has like one good match out of every eight or nine matches that she has. Sonia, I just feel like Sonia should be more of a star than she is, but maybe this is all she's ever going to do. You know, you have that person in your mind, Kenny. We all have this person in wrestling and we sort of imagine them as a much bigger star and much more talented performer than they are. You think, no, 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 I'm right. And mm -hmm. uh, there's just all these factors that are hindering them, that are, that are preventing them from becoming this, this fantasy performer. And I think, I think I've just got to accept that Sonya is just not that good. So I felt I felt like both matches were, yeah, just instantly forgettable. Sadly, and I and I like you know I, I like a lot of these people, and I wanted this thing to succeed. I was willing it to be exciting, Kenny, and it just wasn't. No, I mean they're kind of they've they've obviously got the teams they've got. Hopefully, long term, we'll get more interesting people. I mean, yeah, the Sonya developing is pretty interesting because when she was the authority figure, she was very good in the role. But the problem is with authority figures is the the authority figures are really only as good as the baby face that they go up against and how much that clicks. Yeah. You know, like Eric Bischoff, when he was the GM of Raw, when Steve Austin was opposing him, that was great because people really loved Steve Austin. They hated Eric Bischoff. There was the you know, there was Austin and Vince. When Vince was the the authority figure, there was Daniel Bryan and the authority in 2013. But with Sonia Deville, she was kind of throwing her weight around to Naomi for what felt like a year and nothing happened for yeah. so long. And by the time something did happen, I mean, to my recollection, and I, I can't even remember, but I'm sure that Sonya Deville was involved in about three or four handicap matches against Naomi where she just never wrestled, never touched her. Yeah. Just, like, it never went. So I feel like the thing with Sonya is she's, she's a pretty average wrestler and then they got her in this position where she was starting to get over a bit. And they just never really did it with it. So I think we're back to square one. Yeah. And I just don't think she's ever really sparkled. I don't think she's ever lit up the room, you know, as a wrestler. And I think we've got a, as much as I like her, and as much as I want her to be, you know, dazzling, sadly, you know, it's a low wattage performance every time from Sonia. Sorry, Sonia. <laughs> I tell you who on SmackDown Finn entered a high wattage performance it is the one and only mr sammy zane oh yes he uh he he knocks on roman reigns dressing room door the usos answer you know jimmy's being nice to him as always and then jay uh is is obviously still not not feeling sammy and then sammy wants to see roman roman ends up uh allowing sammy to come in and uh, you know, he's sitting under the learning tree of Roman Reigns, but of course, but this great moment happened where you know Zayn was saying that he was going to take care of Drew McIntyre for the bloodline and all that kind of stuff, and then he does this like little dance. And he said, "I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this," and he does this dance, and Roman Reigns starts laughing, <laughs> and then he kind of says to the Usos, "Do you see? Do you see this dance?" And Jay Uso, Jimmy Uso held it together, but Jay Uso, who's the one supposed to be annoyed at Sami Zayn. He's corpsing at this. <laughs> and it just was a great little segment where it was like we, we were in on the joke and we all kind of enjoyed that Sami Zayn was so good in this performance that he kind of cracked one of the performers, which we don't get very often. But I thought Sami Zayn on this show was just 
I, I don't have the, the kind of adjectives to describe how good I think he is in this role. He's a dynamo. He's just lighting the place up. He's a reverse Sonia Deville. That's what he is. He, he, you know, Jim Ross used to that really benign line about maximize your minutes. Yeah. That's what Sammy Zane does. That's what we need Sammy Zane in this country. When that price energy price cap goes up, we need him over here powering our homes. <laughs> if anyone can do it, Sammy can. But I mean, the, the dynamic between Sammy Zane and the bloodline is very good. And at one point, uh, you know, we get the mention of Kevin Owens, which was very yes. interesting. Yes. Um, which obviously is going to play him. We'll talk about that a little bit more on Raw. And then this leads us to the main event where we have Drew versus Sami Zayn. And Sami Zayn is not able to dethrone Drew. Uh, but, it, but you know, he does manage to weaken Drew to the point that after the match when Roman Reigns comes out of the tax, we get the big, the big brawl. We get, you know, the Usos involved as well. And Reigns gets to sort of stand tall at the end after McIntyre has been battered. We saw the full... What a mess he's backwards. He didn't actually look that bad, didn't he? When he was taking the beat, he's like, mm, you know, we've seen worse. And then afterwards, like, well, actually, maybe we haven't seen worse. Well, that photo on oh. that he posted online of his back. Jeez. So, I mean, obviously, we have seen worse in combat zone wrestling and places like that. But I mean, mm. in WWE, yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, it was a good little match there. I think the booking of all this was pretty much perfect. Obviously, Zayn was not going to beat Drew McIntyre. Jimmy and Jay came out to distract Drew. At that moment, Zane hit the blue thunder bomb. And Savvy's there beaming. He's beaming. He's got Drew beat. And Drew kicks out and saw the colour, you know, drains from Sammy's face. And Drew ends up, of course, winning with the Claymore. And then Roman Reigns arrives. And it took, like, all four of them. Sammy Zane, Jimmy, Jay, Reigns to completely clobber Drew. And Drew's KO'd, smashed at the end. And, um, yeah, Reigns is there, sat over him, looking dominant, as he should. I mean, I know we've still got one more SmackDown to go, but that's already been pre-recorded. Uh, that features the Reigns' two-year celebration, doesn't it? He's been mm. champ for two years as of this Friday or whenever it is, or, or this week anyway. And um, But, yeah, I mean, it was it was just all real basic you know, common sense booking with the challenger being completely annihilated by the challenger. Uh, so the, the challenger goes into the big match, you know, with all this support and, you know, all this hate running through his veins, all seeking vengeance for this horrific attack that he was subjected to by the villains. So, I mean, it all makes perfect sense, doesn't it, really? And, um but yeah, yeah, lots of fun uh, here. I and mean, Sammy as well, he's, even though he was involved in this attack, there's still a real likeable quality to him, isn't it? And that's that's the appeal here, is that we like Sammy. Even though he's associated with the bad guys, mm-hmm. he's sucking up to the bad guys, he's actually got a little bit of a backbone there. He's you know standing up to Jay. He's not being pushed around as much as he was. So there's a likable quality to him. And that's just as well, Kenny, because I think he's turning babyface very soon. Yeah, I would I would agree. We can talk about that a little bit more on, on when we talk about Raw. I did want to ask you, because um, we're not doing full predictions or anything right now. We'll move to that later in the week. But I do want to ask you about... So the, I am going to spoil a little bit of SmackDown this Friday. All I'm going to say is that in the main event segment with Roman Reigns celebration, Drew McIntyre gets the last laugh. 
from what the spoilers have said. Um, do you get the vibe going into Clash at the Castle that the chances are high that Drew could win? Is Roman going to retain? It feels like quite a, a tough act for them to do this UK pay-per-view, have the UK guy in the main event going for the title and for him to lose. But then it feels like this isn't really Roman's time to lose the belt. So I'm not really sure what they do. What do you do you have an inclination at the moment of what you think they're gonna do? Um I'm not really sure. And I've got to say I was really surprised by the team that won the vacant women's tag team championship. So I mean my prediction meter, I think it, you know, I think it I think it needs servicing at the moment. Because, I mean, I was stunned by who won the belts on Raw on Monday. We'll get to that in a moment. Um, I sort of feel like Reigns is going to retain. But that, but then I'm thinking, well, if he does, is that going to be a big disappointment? And for that reason, I sort of feel like it it will be Drew who will win the, win the belts. And I think he sort of needs to. Because if he doesn't, what's he going to do next? He can't really turn heel. It would seem too soon, I think, for him to turn. And also, um, what's the what's the legacy of you know the first stadium show in thirty years if it's the yeah. guy getting beat? I mean, exactly. Because you could do the thing where he wins and he he doesn't keep it for too long. You yeah, know? absolutely. And because we've got this two year run, it feels like they're making such a big production out of this two year thing that it's like, well, let's get this out of the way now. Let's celebrate this while we still can. It feels like they're doing that for a reason this week. Because they won't be able to do it the week after. So fair point, yeah. It's got I think Drew, I think if Drew doesn't win, I think people will feel, you know, let down. I think they'll feel a bit disheartened. And I think if he does win, then the show, I mean, the show's gonna be better than SummerSlam night too. Of course it's gonna be, you know, but will Drew McIntyre versus Roman Reigns be as good as Bret Hart versus the British Bulldog Davy Boy Smith. Well, that remains to be seen. But if Drew McIntyre does win, I think it's got more chance of being remembered or being compared favourably to that match than if Roman Reigns retains. Yeah, because I, I don't know if Roman Reigns retains, I don't know how you kind of... I don't know how the show is remembered fondly. Really. Yeah. And then also... For for the bit for business of kind of you know if you want to do another UK pay per view in a year's time two years time is does it sour people a little bit? Possibly, not this going to be a major thing, but absolutely because in two years time you can then use all those images of Drew with the belts, the crowd's going wild, all the fireworks are going off, and you've got that image, haven't you? That's that is comparable to to David Boy Smith becoming IC champ thirty years ago, so. Yeah, I think I think he's going to win. Yeah, I think McIntyre is going to win because if he doesn't win, it's going to be it's going to be really tricky. What happens next? And I know they've kind of set things up for Reigns. Seth Rollins has stated that once he's finished with Matt Riddle, not Riddle, Matt Riddle, mm-hmm. um, he he's going to pursue Roman Reigns again. And Kevin Owens is saying he wants another match with Roman Reigns. So I know they have prepared things four reigns post clash at the castle um but yeah i don't see what drew does it's going to be tricky for drew if he doesn't become champ because he's kind of staked everything on this hasn't he mm-hmm. so yeah and you know thinking about the video that they aired on raw yeah it's it, it feels it's, i think he's got to win he has to win i think my i think drew's going to become champ 
Um, yeah, I, I think so too. I think that's going to be that's going to be the case. Um, the but it'll, it'll be interesting to see how they do it because you know they obviously as well as catering to the UK audience, they need to cater to their audience overall. Um, so yeah, I'll be curious to see coming out of it where where everybody goes if Drew does win. Um, but I'm I'm leaning more on the side that, that yeah, yeah yeah he's gonna win. Yeah, um, I mean he doesn't need to hold the belt long. He can lose it back at Survivor Series. I mean that can happen, but at least it means that he'll have had this this moment in his career. Yeah, for sure. Um, so before we talk about Raw, um. I actually wanted to bring up the NWA to you for for a brief moment, um, because you know. So this past weekend we had the seventy fourth anniversary, um, and um, we had Tyrus on the show, who who people are not happy that they've got. Then they control your narrative coming out at the end of it. Do you think that any of that is part of the reason why people just don't check out NWA, or do you think it's just kind of not going to be on the radar regardless? How much of, of a factor do you think that is in the low interest level in that promotion? Um, I mean, who's champion at the moment? Is it still Trevor Murdoch? Yeah, Trevor Murdoch. Well, I think that's part of your problem, is that you've got Tre- Trevor Murdoch as champ, and it's really hard to get excited about a company in 2022 that has Trevor Murdoch as its lead guy, as its top star, as its main heavyweight champion. Um, but yeah, it just, it just, I mean, it felt for a time, we went through a little phase, didn't we, of talking about NWA, NWA power. Yeah. And it had a little bit of buzz there. Um, but I just don't feel like they really capitalised on it or, or they've lost, you know, they've lost that that sort of level of interest. Um, but I mean, there's just so much wrestling. We talk about this all the time, and it's like, how would you fit it all in? I mean, I do think, I do think, I do think the Tyrus thing is a little bit of a factor for some people because, yeah. you know, he is 49 years old, and you know, so so just for it, for those of you who don't know, he was accused in 2019 of sexual harassment by a co-host of a, a show that he did because uh, he does Fox News stuff. Um, and I think it was resolved in the end, but you know it was already murky as to what happened, and it just feels like with you know Billy Corgan's. I think he's been asked about it, and he's kind of said, "Well, you know, we, we people of all walks of life in the NWA," <clears throat> and you're like, "Is it really worth? Like, what does forty nine year old Tyrus bring to the table?" Yeah, I mean, if you've got that stigma, and you you know you've got that you know, that question mark dangling over you or whatever you want to call it, if you're in that, if you if you are somebody that is a bad publicity magnet and you don't really bring any, there's no real benefits to you being there. I don't really know what benefits Tyrus brings to NWA. I mean, he was a bit of a, I mean, a bit of a comedy character in WWE, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm sure he's, do, he's done various things for TNA Impact over the years. And um, it was really hard to take him seriously there. So I'm not really sure what he brings to the NWA, especially unless I just don't get it, really. I just, yeah, I just can't understand it. He's not somebody that, if I was running a wrestling promotion, I I would have, I'm not sure that I would have him on my team. In fact, I wouldn't have him on my team. I just wouldn't because I just don't think he's got anything to offer a wrestling company. You know, in 2022, I just don't think he has. 
Yeah. It's Thanks. a weird hill to die on. I mean, I was looking as well. The so the NWA seventy fourth anniversary seventy fourth anniversary show they did this past weekend. It was two nights, and uh, night one had fourteen matches, and night two had sixteen. I mean, it's too many. I mean, it's just overkill. I mean, why are you putting that many matches on? Whether they were they all broadcast on the on the stream. Or were some of them dark matches? The first, so the second night, four pre-show matches, and then twelve main card matches. It's just far too many, and plus you're you're burning your audience out with like four dark matches. Have a five-minute dark match to warm the crowd up, but that's all you need. You don't need four warm-up matches, or maybe to you know get your your levels right on your sound, or for your you know for your production team to really get into the groove it's like when you go and see a band right often that first song they do the levels on the sound aren't, often aren't quite right are they and it's not really until like halfway they few that first song that they, they get the levels right so yeah i can understand why they want like one warm-up match to get everybody into the groove but not four and then not 12 or you know 10 matches on the stream that's just outrageous um, well, I mean, I've not seen any of it, so I can't, I can't comment. But the, 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 there's not a lot of feedback about it. The only thing I know is that uh, control your narrative turned up at the end, and people were not happy about it. So, um, I, mean, well, let... I mean, who cares? I mean, it's just like <laughs> let it go. I mean, this is free. I mean, you can see he just thinks that he's onto a winner with this, and he isn't. And he's just, I mean, he, who's interested in it apart from him? <laughs> He's the only one who really seems to think this is a good idea. Bizarre. Well, listen, let's move on to what people are talking about, which was raw from last night. Um, lot a lot of good stuff on the show. But let's start let's start off with the the one thing that was a bit of a head scratcher, which was that they built up for the main event of the show, the women's tag team title finals, which was uh Eos, Eo Sky and Dakota Kai against Raquel Rodriguez and Aaliyah. Um we ended up having Bianca, Alexa, and Asuka getting involved because Bailey was there. And in the end, Raquel Rodriguez and Aaliyah won, um, won the titles and celebrated with uh, the other baby faces as you know the control faction were pretty annoyed on the outside. Um, a lot of people were very surprised this was the direction that they went in. Um, and I know you were too. Can you sort of make any sense of this decision to put the belts on? The kind of more lukewarm baby faces than the hot heel act. Not really. Well, I can only the only conclusion I can come to is that it will be a short reign. Um, and they wanted to give people a babyface victory at the end of the show. Um, I mean, it is a bit hot, really, isn't it? Because neither Raquel nor Aaliyah, as far as I know, are booked on the Clash at the Castle show. Unless they're going to add, they may well add a title match, I guess, I guess, possibly. Well, well, yeah, because one of the things I was thinking about initially was I thought that maybe Sasha and Naomi would come back and we would have a tag title match to Clash at the Castle. But obviously, because we've got the six women, that wasn't going to happen. Um, yeah. And, but, not, and we've got no more TV tapings between now and Saturday. No. Unless, yeah. So, but then I, I would have thought it would have been a hotter thing to have the heels win and then, you know, maybe Sasha and Naomi can come in and confront them next week or something. I think, I guess in my mind, when I was watching it today and I hadn't read any spoilers or anything, I had a feeling that Dakota Kai and Eo Sky were going to win. And then maybe Sasha and Naomi were actually going to come out at the end and just do a stare down. 
I thought that might be what we see on the show. So, but I didn't really even think about the idea that they wouldn't win the belts. So, um, no, I, it never crossed my mind. I mean, your Sky and Dakota Kai seemed like it, <laughs> I mean. I mean, weren't, Ra- weren't Raquel, when she was Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai, weren't they the first NXT women's tag team champions? I think they were, weren't they? Mind you, this is not, this is not obviously not the first women's tag team champions in WWE. It's just the belts have been vacated, so that would be irrelevant. Now, I don't understand this at all. Io Sky and Dakota Kai should have won the belts. I mean, the only thing I can think is they will win the title, they will win the championship down the line at the same time that Bailey becomes women's champ. So, I mean, she's surely going to be Bianca Belair's next challenger. So, I mean, really, Bailey has to score the pin in the six-woman match at Clash at the Castle. I mean, that would be logical booking to me. So that then Bailey can challenge Bianca at the next event. Um, but I mean, I would think that it's almost gonna be a toxic attraction type thing where all three of them will be champions at one time. So maybe they thought, well, let's not make your Sky and Dakota Kai champs yet. Let's do it and coincide it with when Bailey becomes singles champ. That's the only sense I can make of this. So Yeah, I mean, they, they did seem to play up the idea that Raquel and Aaliyah pinned the illegal person. So that might play into... Because I think... Eo Sky was the, was the legal person, but uh, Aaliyah pinned Dakota Kai. Okay, well that's so, going to lead to a rematch, isn't it? I mean, you know, maybe you know, maybe they'll have a rematch on Raw next week. That would not surprise me. And Sky and Ka- and Sky and Kai will become champs then, and then that will, on paper, give this control faction more momentum going into Bailey versus Bianca Belair at the next event. Cause I'm, I'm convinced that it's going to be, it's got to be Bailey versus Bianca, hasn't it? At the next, uh, at the event after Clash of the Castle. So, um, yeah, you would think so. Yeah, it's going to be, isn't it? So, um, uh, extreme rules on October the 8th. Extreme rules. Okay. So um, yeah, that, that, that absolutely makes sense. That does, it sort of does make sense. I mean, on, on the night, it makes no sense, but I mean, of course it's a, it's a rolling picture and it's a constant cycle and you've got to kind of look at, the big picture, haven't you, where it's all going. So, um, um, yeah, I mean, but yeah, very surprised, especially Aaliyah, who, you know, did another injury angle in the match because they don't like her to do that much because the more she does, the worse she looks. So he just had her (laughs) outside injured for a large portion of the match so Raquel could do the heavy lifting, which, you know, made sense as well. Um, well, luckily, elsewhere in the show, we did have some stuff. I mean, uh, Kurt Angle comes out, who actually looked great. Um, he was he, he like had like his old uh, hoodie on. Um, he actually looked in pretty decent shape. Um, and he came he's out. Major, he's had double knee surgery, hasn't he? Yes, he's had double knee surgery. So uh, he seemed to be moving moving quite well. Um, I did see his wife actually had retweeted a kind of report about. Angle doing another match, and she was like, "Unless they offer him a shit ton of money, he's not doing anything." Um, but he comes out. He ends up getting interrupted by the Alpha, by Alpha Academy. They want to have him join Alpha Academy, um, and then we end up with a shush off between Angle and Gable. This brings up the Street Profits, and they end up making a match where if Angle 
if the Street Profits lose, Angle has to join Alpha Academy and do whatever Gable says. And then we get the match. Street Profits, of course, win in the end, and they celebrate with Kurt Angle drinking milk. I know you've been clamoring for Alpha Academy and Kurt Angle to do something together, so it must must be nice to tick that one off the the, the wish list, then. Well, I mean, I suppose so. I mean, it was okay, but I mean, really what we all wanted was Kurt Angle managing the Alpha Academy. But yeah. I mean, chances are Kurt can't be bothered going on the road each week, and I can understand that. And he's still obviously recovering from his knee operation, so he shouldn't be going on the road every week. I mean, that may still happen. You know, I'm just, it's like, you know, that's in the same category as Sonia Deville setting the wrestling business on fire. You know, <laughs> it's probably a pipe dream as well, let's be honest. Um, but yeah, it was good to see Kurt do the angle with with um, with the Alpha Academy and Chad Gable's working the crowd and blasting the audience. Of course, they're in Pittsburgh, it's Kurt's hometown. And Chad did have a really good line, and he said, uh, "He said, ladies and gentlemen, there is an Olympic hero standing in this ring, not to mention Kurt Angle." And Angle <laughs> almost cracked up at that. That was really funny. You know, it was the week of corpsing, wasn't it, on the air? Yeah, so that was really funny. And then um, the prophets, um, when Chad offered Angle a Alpha Academy jacket, you, know, you can join for one night only. And Kurt Angle threw the jacket back at Chad, and then Otis was going to crush Kurt. And at that point, Street Profits arrived, and that led to the match you just described. So, I mean, it was a decent match, but I mean, the problem is, is that the Alpha Academy have been like so de-emphasized recently. I mean, they were so over as we as we recall during their program with uh, Riddle, as he was called at the time, and Randy Orton earlier <clears> in the year. Uh, and same with Street Profits. They both feel like they've just been paused. So, I mean, it was a good match, but there wasn't really much of a story behind it. And I don't think anyone really believed that, <laughs> that the Alpha Academy were going to win um, in Kurt's hometown and that Kurt was going to have to suffer the indignity of joining the heel faction against his will. So, I mean, I think that hurt the match a little bit as well. Um, but there was a great spot at the end there when Ford applied the ankle lock on Gable uh, and uh, Chad selling it like a superstar and Otis had to make the save. And in the end, Ford pinned Gable after fro frog splashing, as you said. Um, after um, Street Profits gave Angle the cup and he drank from the cup and he spat it out. And it's like, no, we've got to drink milk. And so he drank milk and that was... You know, nice little nostalgia thing. So, um, yeah, I mean, I enjoy these sort of nostalgia things with the old timers in their hometown, in their hometowns. But I mean, yeah, it's in a sense, it's kind of a shame because I think like Kurt as a heel and the Alpha Academy, I think there's so much they could do together. But I, I don't think I'm not sure if we're ever going to see it. Probably not. No, it feels like after WrestleMania, they kind of dropped the ball with Alpha yeah. Academy and Maybe maybe they'll get reheated up at some point, but this seemed to be a, you know, let's do something just for Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure Chad and Otis had a ball doing it, and they and they felt relevant for the night, and I'm sure Chad Gable, and he said that Kurt Angle was a personal hero of his, and I'm sure he was. So, I mean, this must have been a thrill for him to do this angle. And um, so, you know, it was entertaining for what it was. Just like to see all four of these guys doing something more substantial, Kenny. Mm-hmm. I agree. Well, we opened the show with uh, Finn Balor and Damian Priest getting a win over AJ Styles and Dolph Ziggler, which led us afterwards to Edge coming out. He uh, was in a car and he came out and did a promo with, uh, the, with the Judgment Day. 
it was actually a really good line where because Priest had said to Ed, before Edge came out, he said, you know, uh, the only person with the pants in your family showed up to try and save you last week. And then Edge comes out and he says, you know, we both wear the pants in our family. Maybe you should join us in 2022. Otherwise, you'll be single forever, which was a funny line. So, um, and it all led to Edge coming in, wanting to fight them. The Mysterios come in to back, back him up. And then we end up with Dominic Mysterio with a kendo stick in the ring with Rhea Ripley. And she's trying to convince him not to hit her. And then eventually he sort of drops the kendo stick. And then the Judgment Day sort of pull, pull her away. So we find out later in the show, it's going to be Edge, Edge and Ray with Dom in the corner against Judgment Day at Clash at the Castle. And Dominic was a bit, you know, perturbed that he was not the tag team partner of his dad. And Ray said he had to go with the experience. This could be the trouble in paradise, Finn. I don't mean Kofi <sighs> Kingston's old finisher. Yeah, it could be, you know, but I've been predicting this one for a long time and it hasn't happened yet. So <laughs> I'm not sure if I really should weigh in here at all. But I mean, do, he do, I mean, it was quite funny as well, wasn't it? Like Ray was there on, on on autopilot when he said, will you be there Sunday for us, son? No, yeah, it's got, on, got the day wrong. It's on Saturday, Ray. But I mean, understandable mistake to make because pay-per-views or premium live events were always on Sunday. But yeah, Don Mysterio... He was seemed quietly upset, didn't he? That he that Ray hadn't chosen him to team uh, with him to face Balor and Priest at Clash at the Castle. And Ray said, "No, I need the experience." And Dom said, "Well, it's supposed to be a family thing." And Ray's like, "Well, Edge, you generally he more or less is family. You know, will you be in our corner, son? You know, to back us up." And after everything that's happened. He, he, I mean, please pull the trigger this weekend, WWE, and spare my blushes. I've got my fingers crossed for you, Finn. I really do. And I, I mean, it, it does feel like though we're we're edging closer towards what the story's going to be. So, I mean, um, but I mean, all, I mean well, that mullet the Dominic Mysterio has got. Jeez, oh! I was just bringing it up. I mean, it's got to be a tribute to Eddie, hasn't it? It's got to be. I mean, yeah, but I mean, it's it's a it's a choice. In 2022. It is. That's it. And it's not a good choice. No. That's a bad hair day every day. (laughs) He looks like he's auditioning to be in Stranger Things or something. Do you know what I mean? He's (laughs) growing the hair out to try and be in the final season. It's like like watching a WCW TV program from from the Cobb County Civic Centre or wherever it was in 1991. That's what (laughs) it is, seeing Dom with that hairdo. I mean... (laughs) You know, we've all had bad hair days, haven't we, Kenny? But, I mean, poor Dom. I know, well, I've had more bad hair days than I could admit. But um, one part of uh, Raw that was pretty, uh, you know, exciting was the face-to-face from different locations with uh, Matt Riddle and Seth Rollins. It feels so good to say Matt Riddle again. Um, And, you know, because they'd actually done a thing, they'd orchestrated a thing where they brawled in the parking lot earlier, which had kind of done the rounds online. And then they do this interview back and forth. You know, um, Riddle brings up, you know, Becky's the only man in your in your marriage. Uh, Rollins sort of brings up uh, Riddle's divorce, um, which is you know pretty pretty deep. And then they do this great bit where um, after the, the 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 cameras had went off, they they kept it on. And I think that was actually the bit where he did the divorce, maybe. And that was what led Riddle to start going. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fuck you up. And they were bleeping the f out and stuff. And yeah, um, I mean, they've they've done a really good job of getting this match feeling like it's a 
intense match. You know, Riddle was talking about Cody and Roman, and Rollins said it's not about them. It's about I'm going to beat you. There's some good intensity here. They did, and and this is what we've all wanted from Riddle. I mean, we enjoyed the comedy character that he was playing with Randy Orton, and it wasn't all comedy, but there's a lot of comedy there. And if he's going to be taken seriously as a, as as a top guy, you know, somebody who could be Royal Rumble winner or a serious title contender on like a two or three premium live live event program, then he can't be. He can't be acting the fool, can he? He's got to. He's got to be this serious guy. So um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I mean, it had that sort of tinge of realism to it, which is what we all want from pro wrestling, or at least in big matches like this. And um, you know, we've waited a long time for it. I think you know, Rollins is saying that I'm going to steal the show. Everyone's going to be talking about me. And uh, he mentioned that after he'd beaten. Riddle, he was going to move on and he was going to face Roman Reigns for the undisputed title. Um, so, yeah, I thought this was really well done. And um, and then there was all this commotion and Riddle's like, well, where is he? And I don't think he tracked him down, did he, in the rest of the show? And that was it, wasn't it? Yeah, he was kind of left that he couldn't find them. So, yeah, which yeah. makes sense because, I mean, we've seen that one before, haven't we, where, in fact, just a few weeks ago where Riddle was supposedly a different location and then he ran to the ring and did the angle with Rollins and Rollins left him lane. So we've already seen that. So it would have been a bit of a rerun had they done that again here. So I'm looking forward to this match. And I think it'll have a very, hopefully it'll have a really good atmosphere. I think it's been very well prepared. Uh, one of the you know better prepared matches on the Clash of the Castle show. So yes, really looking forward to it. Um, elsewhere on the show, we did have uh, the story throughout the night of uh, The Miz, and, you know, he didn't want to talk about the Dexter Loomis thing, Champon was asking him, Adam Pearce was asking him, Kevin Patrick was asking him, um, he wants to concentrate on his match with Bobby Lashley. I just thought it was a great touch to have Adam Pearce say, look, I want to press charges against the guy, but unless you cooperate, there's nothing we can do. And Miz is like, I don't want to talk about it, I'm not, I'm not getting involved. And then during the match... Dexter Loomis appears in the crowd. It distracts the Miz, but of course, nobody else. Well, the wrestlers do. The <laughs> crowd see it because it's my spotlight on the guy. But the wrestlers don't see it. Um, it's somehow not picked up on. You know, it's not. It's not picked up on uh, on the on the TV because Kevin Patrick's even like, "What happened out there?" So Dexter Loomis is there. We all saw it. Like Champa's, Champa's looking in the other direction. What are you on about? You know, and it's just like Miz. It's like, he's, it's, it's like a scene from a horror movie. Obviously, Dexter Lewis is being almost being presented like this Michael Myers character, isn't he? Stalking the Miz, you know, <laughs> but no one else can see him. Uh, but yeah, it was funny. Yeah, the Miz and Champa, you know, Miz had refused to talk about it, and then Adam Pierce had asked him and. You know, we learned that uh, Loomis had been released because the Miz had refused to press charge. You should point out that uh, Loomis had been arrested at NXT last Tuesday. So that's when the arrest occurred. And really good as well that they're using, you know, this storyline's continuing, started on Raw, and it's continuing on NXT on Tuesday. And so it should. And if this is a character who's got one foot still in NXT, or at least Loomis did up, up until last Tuesday, then why not? continue the story there in a little angle i mean it's another reason to tune into nxt isn't it if you don't do so already 
Indeed, yeah. and then and then and then after uh, Bobby Lashley beat the Miz, we the Miz was leaving, and as he went to pull away in his car, we just saw a little flashlight, and it was Dexter Loomis in the the background um, yeah. of the, on the back of the car. So who knows? And, and it's almost like a, a reminder as well of those things that the Undertaker used to do, wasn't it? Where he'd bite there, you know, he'd drive. He would be uh, he would be the one driving. He drove the limo off with Stephanie in the back. That was a famous one, wasn't it? From yeah. one of the- where to Stephanie? <laughs> yeah, that was a really memorable one from when was that? Maybe two thousand, quite a few years ago. Anyway, attitude era still. Was it Backlash ninety nine? Oh, was it Backlash ninety nine? Wow! Yeah, uh, there's, there's that great visual of uh, Vince helps Austin beat the Rock, and Austin celebrate, and Vince is looking on him at the same time. Undertaker's driving away with Stephanie. Oh, great TV! Oh, fantastic! Imprinted on your memory, Kenny. If, if only Vince wasn't the higher power and ruined the whole thing six yeah. weeks later. But that's another story for another day. Um, but yeah, well, listen, let's, I've I've tried to say the best to last. The, the big thing on Raw is obviously the bloodline come out, Sammy and the Usos, and um, <clears throat> it ends up Kevin Owens comes out to interrupt, and Owens actually brings up the fact that Roman Reigns he could have defeated him eighteen months ago. If it wasn't for Jay Uso's help, how's that for a continuity piece, Finn? Exactly. I mean, that wouldn't have happened under Vince. No, it, no chance. No chance. Um, you know, I think that wrestling fans have memories that long. I know. <laughs> but I mean, but, I mean, even bringing that up is is a it's a small thing, but like you say, it wouldn't have happened under Vince. And then the key to this whole thing was Kevin Owens talks about how you know Sammy. You're still my best friend. Sammy is told by the Usos, you know, you better tell your boy how what to do. And then Sammy then goes, you know, Kevin, Roman owes you nothing. I'm just letting you know that now. So he's trying to stay the bloodlines, you know, sort of mascot, but not risking his relationship with uh, Kevin Owens. And that leads us to Kevin Owens and Jay also having a match. But the big point of the match where the contention comes in is that Jimmy tries to distract the referee so that Sami Zayn can hit Owens with a chair and Sami hesitates so long that the referee ends up turning around so Sami doesn't do it and this allows Owens to beat Jay. So I think I think Kevin and Sami and the Usos is, might be something we get soon. It's very exciting. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, it was really funny, wasn't it? Owens out and... Sammy said that Jimmy liked him and Jay, well, we're, you know, we're working on it. We're working on our relationship. And Sammy was there trying to keep the peace. And Kevin and Jay, it's, the fighting talk kicks off. And Kevin Owens goes, I think this is the moment where we drop the mics and we get a referee out and we have a match. And right on cue, the referee arrived and the match began. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was... Um, I mean, it was a good little match. It wasn't really a match. It was more like, well, it was a match, but the purpose of this was to extend the storyline. It was all about the angle at the end. It was, absolutely. And Zayn was instructed by the Usos to use a chair on Owens when the referee was distracted, but Sammy just couldn't bring himself to do it. And then the referee turned around and Owens nailed Jay with the stunner. One, two, three. Kevin Owens is victorious. Jimmy and Jay are furious with Sammy. I mean, sounds to me like Sammy's going to have some explaining to do to Roman on SmackDown this week. I'm not sure if they're going to... Presumably, they, anticipate, they already knew they were going to do this. And maybe they'll do like a 
you know, and like a we backstage segment. Yeah, so segment that's been recorded after. I'm not quite sure how they're going to handle it. Surely they must have known what they were going to do on Raw when they recorded last week's SmackDown, so they can just say, you know, what was that on SmackDown? Sorry, what was that on Raw? You mm-hmm. know, we had, you know, we we had Kevin Owens beat. You know, what happened? They don't have to go into too many details in case, you know, they're, you know, so they can keep it slightly vague so that people know what they're referring to. But you would think, yeah, there's going to be this is going to be brought up on SmackDown this week. I think Sammy's going to be in hot water, Kenny. That's my prediction. Yeah, I'm with you. But it was it was a great segment. It was it was it, it, they were doing complex storytelling, which is something they've not really done that well out of maybe the main event storyline for a long time. So it, it it made a lot of sense. And you know now you know because even one of the things I was because we saw Johnny Gargano in the show as well. He yeah, had a segment was, with him. It was a nice little segment there with Theory, wasn't it? Um, and Johnny Gargano talked about his return last week and, and said that Theory, he considered Theory family, but Theory hadn't called him, you know, ever since the birth of his son. And then Theory showed up and said, well, actually, Johnny, you haven't, you never called me to congratulate me on my US title win, my money in the bank victory. You know, maybe you're just jealous of me. And then Gargano's there kind of thinking about it and... You know, maybe Gargano really is jealous of Theory. So, I mean, I thought that was a nice little extension there. And the, you know, they agreed not to get into those, the, there would be no fisticuffs. And uh, I thought that was a nice little extension of their story. It doesn't look like, I don't think, they, I don't think they're having a match this Saturday, are they? No. Was, no so, and, so. and really, I mean, it probably would be too soon. They're better off, I think, delaying that till Extreme Rules. I think it would be rushed if they were to have it this Saturday. Um, and I just like the way these stories are just edging forward slowly. You know, being rushed, you know, not we're not just having, you know, everything's different as well. Everything's tailored to um, the performer's previous background or previous interactions with each other. And you can see there's a lot more thought going into each storyline. Although at the same time, you know, then we've got Bobby Lashley, who's not doing anything. So there's some losers in this. Not everyone's a winner. <laughs> but I think there are there have been a lot of winners since Paul Levesque took over as head of creative. And I think Johnny Gargano, obviously, because he probably wouldn't have he probably wouldn't have been signed and had the contract been offered, he probably wouldn't have signed it if Vince was in charge. So he's obviously a huge winner here. And I think this is a really big win for Theory as well, because it's not too much pressure for him. Obviously, he was doing really well when he's interacting with, you know, Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. And, you know, we praised him for that earlier, you know, prior to SummerSlam. Um, But I think this is a good role for Theory, for him to just do something slightly different um, and just to get more experience and more recognition before he finally cashes in. You know, which I don't think is going to be until next year now. Yeah, no, and, and I, I think that's yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. But I mean, I should mention actually, uh, PW Insider reported today that uh, Theory will now be reverting back to Austin Theory. Oh, so we're going to be we're going to be able to to use that again. So uh, we're going to be able to uh, use the old moniker, which again is just it's so much better to be able to use the the names that we were so used to saying. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, well, I mean, especially in Scotland, the word "riddle" is 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 a very derogatory thing that you would say. You know, you would you would say, "Oh, he's riddled with it." You know, it's it's not a nice phrase. So for yeah. me to not have to just say that word anymore is pretty 
it's, it, it makes me feel good, Finn. Yeah, I mean, one thing that did occur to me just before Kenny, I presumably Vince is sitting there. You know, maybe is he? Is, could he? Could he be on the yacht? <laughs> Who knows what, which which of his many homes he's watching roar on each week? But I wonder, you know, if there's like mushroom clouds appearing, you know, above Vince's property. What's he doing? Reinstating that guy's surname. How uh, that guy's Christian name? How dare he? You know, these guys should just be referred to by their surnames, not not their Christian names and surnames. And I wonder what Vince makes of all this. You know, these changes that keep occurring and these things that are happening that are un, that are basically undoing what Vince has done. I mean, that's, that amuses me. You know, I, I am amused hmm. by the thought of how Vince is reacting to all of this. Well, we, we, we did see Vince spotted at his uh, 77th birthday party where he was not very, didn't look very happy, did Vince. So, oh, um, what was that? Was the photo of him on Twitter online? Yeah, yeah, TMZ spotted him. Uh, oh. I think, like, was it a week ago? Something like that? It was after we recorded last week. So. Yeah, I think it was August 24th, I think it's his birthday, or 25th. I think that's right. Yeah, so... Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, so, but he was, you know, he was out about it. It's very strange to think about what he's doing, but anyway. It, what... it's, yeah, very, very strange, and you just wonder, you know, what's going through his mind right now and what he imagines going to happen next, and... Um... Well, the other thing is, all the all the changes that are happening without him are very positive, so I just hope he doesn't come back. <laughs> it's really the, the message, so... Yeah, yeah, I agree, and, and hasn't it just been just so seamless and so unchaotic and just I always imagined that when Vince went there was going to be this great you know this great sort of feeling of emptiness about the place and it's quite the opposite isn't it <laughs> I mean that must be driving him mad it's just yeah. everything just seems to be working harmoniously people are getting on and Getting over and moving on and moving up. And no, it's not all perfect. There obviously are problems, and we've talked about some of them today, but it's uh, it just, yeah, it just all seems most of it seems to be going swimmingly in Vince's absence. Yeah. It's, I mean, Vince has got to be annoyed about this. You know, he's got to be <clears throat> pretty frustrated. Yeah. Well, I would be. I mean, if I was still running Power Slam, you know, like, you know, <laughs> like I was removed or whatever. And, what the magazine's better without me? What? <laughs> oh no! Now I need to rethink everything because I mean Vince's whole identity was WWE. He was the guy that ran that company, and now he isn't. This must be very strange for him. You know, I'm not sympathising with him or anything. By the way, I'm mm -hmm. just sort of pointing out that this must be very odd for him. Very, very strange. Yeah. Well, we'll see how it all plays out. Um... But uh, anyway, listen, that's all the time we've got for today. Now, we're going to be recording Power Slam tomorrow, and it will go out on Thursday. And then on Thursday, we're going to record the overrun, which will come out uh, early Friday. So just so we're kind of we're around for whatever the AEW Go Home show is. So we can talk about Punk and Mox. Um, but tomorrow, we'll cover some news. So uh, that's the the plan. InsideTheRoastMagazine.com is where you can check out the mag. Uh, the Vince McMahon cover issue is available right now. You can go check it out, um, and the pre-order for the next issue will be up soon. 
and Patreon is the best way to directly support us and all the stuff that we do. Uh, bonus podcast, we recorded SummerSlam 2002 last week, which is a ton of fun. Finn's got a what else is going down, as he said earlier. Exclusive column, nothing that's in the mag. Well worth checking out. Sandra and I do weekly re- retro reviews of Raw and SmackDown from 20 years ago. Finn and I do an overrun. We look at old issues of Power Slam. There's tons of stuff. Uh, the Pod of Thunder with uh, Ollie and KJ. So we hope that you will give us a try. So, Finn, yeah, I look forward you, to talking. You appeared on the Wrestling Roast, didn't you, Kenny? I did. I appeared on the Wrestling Roast, which is on the, the main feed where I make a pretty uh, <laughs> derogatory analogy about how I feel about Ring of Honor. But, um, yeah, it was good fun to record it with KJ, so I hope you guys will check that out in the main feed. Uh, but then I'll, I'll look forward to talking to you tomorrow. Fantastic. More. Yes, we will communicate then. We will. So thank you very much for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.